0: Dr. B first. I have got a Dio sister in the house that I'm really excited about. She actually found me, I think through the old website even, signed up, said, hey, I want to come talk to you. I got her bio and I about shit my pants because I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Heather Signorelli. She's one of my favorite specialties with this pathology and one of my other topics, which is entrepreneurship. So stick around. We're going to talk about dollar bills. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about freedom. You need this in your life. Okay, here we go.
1: Hey, friend, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and chat with you and get to know you. Uh, Just thanks for having me on. Okay. I have to preface this for the people out in podcasting world. We
0: talked over 10 minutes before jumping on this recording. It is amazing. And I'm going to put a verbal disclosure in here for both of us, because I do think we need to do this because we may get a little ranty today, that the opinions, views, and thoughts Of the two female physicians who are talking today on this podcast are our own. They do not reflect our employers or the views of what we do in medicine. Does that sound good, Dr. Heather? That sounds great. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Now we can rant away. Well, I talked a little bit about you in the intro, but tell the people in podcasting world about yourself and the magic you
1: put in the world. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So pathologist by background. I am probably a little more talkative than most pathologists. And so I've ended up kind of in the world of administration. And so I run hospital laboratories in my day job, which I love and have loved really kind of diving into the business side of medicine. You know, I think as physicians, we're not taught a lot of this in medical school. And a lot of kind of what I have really found upon the business side is I think physicians need to take that ownership around the business side of medicine, because we get the clinical side, we get the, the financials, and we can help really change and improve healthcare. And so I've worked in administration really close to 10 years now. And now really, I'm on a, on a mission to help educate other physicians who are out there kind of trying to do it on their own. So I have a funny story to
0: tell you. I loved hanging out with the pathology folks in medical school, and finally, one day, the like head of the department, he was like, Aaron, I just need you to know this. You have too much personality for pathology. <laughs>
1: oh, you, okay, because you shared, I'm going to have to share. I was actually told in a interview for residency that I would not be a good fit for a pathology residency. And they full on said it was because I talked too much. So I have to agree. I I hear you. I was told that. I still became a pathologist anyway. And actually, I love my pathology colleagues. And I think there's uh, a lot of us that are chatty and talkative. But it is funny, like, there is just this stigma. Now, I'm a clinical pathologist. So while I was trained to read stuff underneath the microscope, I manage the clinical laboratory, which tends to be a lot more people oriented in general than other parts of the pathology world.
0: Yeah, you found your fit. One of my other pathology friends, her name is Dr. Libby Schontzmeyer, also another DO woman. She is one of the funnest pathologists you can ever hang out with in your life. And I remind her of that all the time, all the time. So I will you'll make friends. <laughs> you, you, I will connect you after this with an email because absolutely we need to break that stigma that it's like gray headed old men with like Coke bottle glasses looking in slides like there is a <laughs> lot of ways to find yourself in any specialty. And so thank totally. you for breaking that glass ceiling.
1: <laughs> no problem.
0: <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. You started a business after you saw so many physicians or maybe from your own story trying to like figure out this medical billing behind the scenes. Start me from the beginning like when this idea blossomed in your brain.
1: Yeah, okay. So it was during COVID. Just shortly after kind of the height of it, 2021, my husband, who has been in the software world forever, he was looking for a change, ready to do something different, and we were trying to find something that kind of bridged the software world and the medicine world. And I was actually at a conference and speaking with other physicians who, kind of, post the height of COVID, were struggling from a revenue perspective, and they're they're basically sharing, haven't been able to pay myself, it, uh, you know, I'm struggling. Initially, I thought this was all related to a volume issue. And when they said, actually, no volume has picked back up, that's been fine. It came down to a revenue cycle management issue, meaning their billers weren't doing what they should have been doing. They caught it late because they weren't looking at metrics or they didn't have metrics given to them by their billing team. And with my husband's software background and my medical background, you know, we both just said, like we could do this better. And... Hence, NRC was started and we really kind of were able to solve that problem of being able to provide a reliable service, but also be able to have it be data driven. And so that's NRC was born.
0: I love that you very quickly found a problem for which you're like, actually, we could be the solution to that, because I find that so many physicians are the most intuitive, creative problem solvers out there, but somewhere along the way that at times gets ground down in us where it's like, no, 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 go back and do what you were trained to do. And I love that you saw that. Like, actually my husband's got this shit on the computer and I know how to translate it
1: into real life. We've got something here. Yeah. And it's all about process. And in my Day world, I am constantly. It's all about process. Meaning, where are we today? Where do we need to be, and how do we get from step A to step Z? And so, this is very much the same in a in a in the billing world, right? Because you've got to practice, you've got to understand the steps that they personally take to get claims billed and paid. We know the data behind it, and we know the software in order to get that done appropriately. And so it just kind of evolved over time. You know, entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. (laughs) And I actually remember a a dear pathology friend actually telling me that when we were starting this, you know, because he quit his full-time job to to run the company. And she said, gosh, she's like, it's a 24-7 thing, owning your own business and she's right you know you, you put yourself in the in that position and i worry about these doctors money just like it's my own i mean i we are so committed to getting them solutions that you do wake up in the middle of the night worrying about it and you do want to solve their problems and so it's certainly not for the faint of heart but when we have physicians who are crying to us saying hey you've increased my revenue by 20% like i can do things i've never been able to do before in my practice you just you know you're doing the right thing even if it's hard.
0: Talk a little bit about the nitty gritty. Is it is it just the software? Is it also the people support that you give? Tell me a little bit more about uh, and your business is National Revenue Consulting in RC. Correct.
1: So in yeah, I call it NRC for short. But you can find us online at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. But. Okay. So we offer the actual humans that help do the billing and the coding behind the scenes. Now, the hard part is it's... The tricky part is it's all about process. And if if the office has uh, a process that is very manual, that needs to become more automated... You really have to work together. And that always comes down to people, right? It's people and communication because if they have problems that need to get solved, how do we identify how to solve the problem for today, but also for tomorrow? And so, a lot of it, you know, when you think about the claims process, there's a lot of people that are involved. You've got Patients getting registered, you got to get the insurance information, you got to do eligibility, you got to submit the claims, you got to get paid, you got to ask, you know, determine if the patients do. I mean, there's just so many parts to that. And that's why we're really big on policies and procedures and just writing it all down because when it's written, people won't get confused. And you can train anybody, whether that's our staff or their staff. And so it's just getting those communication channels working, which is not easy. I mean, again, it's everybody's short staffed. Everybody's got staff that's turning over. And so it's, it's really just pushing that communication and that process to be efficient.
0: So what I hear you saying is you can come in and work with staff and get these processes, automation, communication, but also you can go to a doc and say, Hey, we can help you. And we have the people. So you don't have to hire a whole bunch of other stuff
1: correct so we handle just the back end billing piece so we'll we still work with the office's front office staff right they're typically the ones who are registering the patients and kind of collecting the insurance information but then we take everything over from the moment those patients are seen to the codes and we we carry that all the way through to patient payment And so one of the biggest things is really just understanding each practice's nuances. So that tends to be where we try and spend the first two to four weeks so that we're trying to figure out, how do you do it today? Here's some suggestions for improvement. Okay, now let us get in there and kind of take over the back-end billing stuff, whether that's currently in-house staff for doing it or there's outsourced staff that are doing it. It just depends. And then we're very crystal clear on, here are the metrics we all have to manage to, our team, their team, because that's what allows for transparency in the process. Because otherwise, you're flying blind. And just like you know the physician I was telling you about who had lost some revenue post-COVID, they didn't have metrics to say how things were going. And I think this is so common and one of the things I want to stress to the listeners is if you have an insurance-based practice today and you don't know what your metrics are, like you're not seeing numbers at the month, at the end of the month, maybe you see money coming into your checking account, but you don't know anything else. It's so critical to sit down and look at certain key things so that you know like how things are going so you either know okay, yeah, they're going well or I need to ask some more questions. Right? Absolutely. Because it's not magic. It's just, like you said, it's just process. It's just not.
2: Yeah. It's just yeah. process.
1: And the billing companies, you know, I think you said this earlier, they like to change their rules. They like to change what we can code for, how we code for, it, what they're going to pay for, how much they're going to pay for it. And so it's like this ever evolving game, but you can win the game. You can beat them. Yeah. It's not the casinos. You can do this. So, you can not do this. <laughs>
0: What have you learned since the start in 2021, fast forwarding through to now 2023?
1: Oh, gosh. I think everybody underestimates the process. I think everybody underestimates the fact that you really do have to work together with your billing team. We have even underestimated that at times of how important communication and coming up with a good communication channel is which is why we've kind of migrated everything to Microsoft Teams and trackers. And it's manual and annoying, but it is so, so necessary because then things don't get dropped. And that's how docs get the revenue that they deserve is because you don't allow anything to be dropped, anything.
0: Okay, flip side question. What have you taught folks since starting 2021 to now? Oh,
1: metrics. Let's talk metrics. Okay, Okay. so if you're listening to the podcast today... And you're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know what billing metrics means. I don't know what any of this is. I think the first and foremost thing to understand is accounts receivable, which is right that bucket of money that's due to you. Making sure that folks really understand that that accounts receivable bucket is something you need to monitor and look at every single month, specifically looking at the percent of your accounts receivable that's over 90 days. And if if you were to walk away with just one thing, one little nugget from this podcast, it is just knowing, okay, I know I need to go ask my billers, what's my AR over 90 days? And what is that percent of my total AR? And your goal is really for that total amount to be less than 20%. Most of that should com- comprise of your insurance AR because your patient AR, you should be getting paid before those patients leave the door but i know there's that's not always the case so there's some nuances around that but you've just got to find the ar metrics in your practice and be able to sit down and and i would just say in general we meet with practices and really make sure that they have some key metrics our clients obviously we have a dashboard that they give that we give them but metrics metrics
2: metrics
0: so accounts receivable bills overdue like over 90 days right? Because you're still chasing down that money, get that money. What's the next
1: couple metrics that you should be like denials? Denials. Yep. Denials. So denials, you've got to really track denials every month and look at that percent. And that's really just a fraction of your dollars that are denied divided by your dollars of your total charges. And then that percent should be less than 10%. And so that is an absolute key thing to look at. Ideally, maybe even less than 5%, depending on your type of practice. But the key thing is to not just track the percent of denials, but understanding, okay, so if I have denials, what are they? What am I actually getting claims denied for? Are they eligibility denials? Is it prior auth denials? Is it coding denials? Now, denials are going to happen, so that's never going to be a 0% number, but it's got to be a number that you um, know what's going on so that you can set KPIs to then improve on those denials. Because it's not just about, you know, having denials and being like, okay, they're there. It's about like, okay, they're here. Here's what I'm going to do to improve them on. That would be the top two things. I think it's always smart to track and trend charges and receipts there are nuances around how much you get paid based on what your fee schedule is and what your what how you set your charges to but you've got to start tracking and trending this information cuz it allows you to have insight into how things are going
0: cuz it sounds like the first month when you work with somebody you're just trying to get their numbers and understand okay where is the starting point and like what's the low hanging fruit for instance sometimes I get really frustrated because we're being pushed on like charges, 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 when in fact, it's a front desk issue and their insurance wasn't put in correctly. It doesn't matter how I change my coding. If you're putting an old insurance in, of course, you're going to get a denial. They're not on that plan anymore.
1: Right. And they have to be checking that two to three days ahead of time so that they're walking into that office if that They know that there's an issue. They're correcting that before the patient ever sees the physician. I mean, and that has to be a key part of the process. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be a problem. And so you have to have that data in order to know what to fix. And so you have to get down to the claim level, to the patient level. And you have to work with the office. You know, for us, we're outsourced, right? So we're not sitting there in the office. So those first like four to six weeks, or it could be three to four months, depending on what mess was there when we came on, is really understanding, okay, what accounts receivable is there? What can we clean up? What do we need to write off because it's past timely filing? What can we appeal? And really kind of getting into the weeds. And that, depending on the situation that we walk into, can take months. You know, hopefully not. Um, Hopefully things are... You know, going okay, but we've walked into practices with seven figures worth of AR that are you know more than a year old, and so then you got to figure out what you can go after, and then learn their process, right? Because it's, there's not a standard process around how every office does things, and so you have to work with them to see, okay, how do you do it today? Where do we need to to, to fix things, and go from there?
0: I love your point about getting that information early, and I just want to like reemphasize it and say. It is okay to ask your patients for information so that you can get paid for the value you are giving them. Because I think there's a oh, lot of times yeah. where we all get a little bit squirrely. It's like, no, 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 I just do the medicine. I've even said this before: go talk to my office manager, she'll help you handle the billing. And and I do need to own up on that more. And that's kind of a cop-out answer. But I also recognize too that in my appointments, I am giving them so much. I'm giving them my time, my expertise, my opinion, the best Aaron Wiseman hugs come with your appointment as well. And so it is, and that is, and it is okay to ask to be paid for what we're doing and to be paid appropriately.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we forget that, right? We're, we're here to do medicine and we're here to serve but there's this whole to be able to pay your bills and you know, pay yourself a salary to keep the doors open. And we can't always feel guilty that you know, we're asking people to pay for what it's worth. Now, that doesn't mean that we go out and gouge people. It just means you, you find the, the sweet spot of what the services are worth from a marketplace perspective and patient care perspective and focus on that. And then let the business people focus on making sure that the money comes in and, you know, and that's a coordinated effort between the billers and the office staff.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because there's no more time for most people that they can give to churn and burn and make more medicine. So like, let's make the minutes that we spend more effective and uh, raise your prices. (laughs) (laughs) I was talking to a friend She's doing locums right now, but she wants to start her own OMM clinic. And she was talking about her mentor. He just raised his prices to $80 in OMM session. And I was like, Nikki, you're going to charge more than that, right? Because (laughs) this guy, he is like one of the grand poo paws of DO osteopathic medicine. And he totally undervalues himself. Like he's got the magic hands and- He's
1: he's charging eighty dollars a session for an hour. An hour. Holy geez. That's crazy. For sixty minutes worth of I mean, that's insane. Good for I mean, that we've got to talk to him. We've got we to do. get that that discussed to raise those prices. We definitely
0: do. Okay, so you've told us all about the entrepreneurship, getting it started. You've told us some great information about looking at the metrics and what you've learned and that this isn't big and scary. This is figure outable. What would you encourage listeners to do next? Do they need to come to your website? Do they need to email you? If this has put a bug in their brain, like I got to talk to Heather, what do they need to do next?
1: We have an awesome free online little tool where you can go and answer a handful of questions. So if you go straight to our website, it's right on the main page. And um, it says in red, online free assessment. Go there, answer some quick questions about your practice, and we'll actually shoot you back some tips that say, like, hey, here's what you should be looking at and thinking about in your own practice. Of course, if you're like, "Oh, oh, no, like, my practice isn't doing well. I need help immediately feel free to contact us and somebody will call and and get a meeting set up. But the online free assessment is just a way for a gut check of how things are going. And we ask questions about metrics and what you know and what you don't. And we even have, you know, if the answer is, I just don't know, that's okay too. Again, you know, as physicians, our goal is we're not going to know everything, but then if we don't know what we need to know, how can we get that information? And we've got an educational podcast as well called R E V M D. And so can go over there and just kind of start listening to different things. We have a different topic every week where we're just really educating on billing and coding tips for your practice. So it's just an easy way to at least kind of start that educational pathway. Awesome.
0: I love it. So their website is nationalrevenueconsulting.com. That will be in the show notes in addition to their podcast. Since you're listening to another podcast, RevMD. I love it, friend. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And I do want to put another plug into folks to tell them, like, no one likes to air their dirty laundry. I 100% get that. Like, as highly intelligent alpha females, very rarely do we like to show like, our wounds to be like, I'm a hot mess express right now. But having talked and sat here with Heather and gotten to know her more, she will come with you with kindness and compassion and and be your advocate in this realm. So I highly encourage anyone who's listening, who runs their own independent practice, hell, I'm sitting here thinking for my employer, I'm going to pass along information
1: because who couldn't use a tune-up every 50,000 miles or so? Totally. And I just, you know, emphasize the fact that folks, I'm so sorry, they're barking. Hold on. We'll just no, this cut is that a out.
0: real-time podcast. We love children and pets here.
1: Okay. Um uh, You know, I just want to emphasize to folks, it's okay if things look not great right now. If you're looking at your numbers or if you're just looking at them for the first time, that is totally okay. Help is out there, whether it's us or you just get the educational stuff and you take it and go, okay, I can ask the right questions now. I think it's just a matter of starting and you don't even have, like, we don't do overwhelm, right? Just pick one thing a week that you can focus on or one thing a month, if that seems doable. And again, folks are here to help. Even if it's just education, check out the podcast. But we would love to help anybody who is like, okay, nope, I'm at my in, my wits end. I need an, I need new help now. And again, like this is just all about physicians sticking together, and that's that's our goal.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that before we jumped on the recording. Is that really what's at the bottom of this? Is not that you were like, oh, I want to be a full time entrepreneur on top of doing my clinical work really where it came from that you had described to me is that you want your fellow physicians to have the education so that they can have the freedom and stay independent. If that's what they choose rather than feeling stuck, like they have to sell out or they have to maybe go with the choice that really feels against their gut. And I love that purpose.
1: A hundred percent. And at the end of it, it's just, I feel like you spend all of this time going to medical school and residency and fellowship and seeing patients and working so, so hard. Like the money piece shouldn't be what you worry about. It shouldn't be what keeps you up at night and finding the right partner to help worry with you or for you is really the key. And I I can't emphasize that enough that whomever you use as a partner, whether that's your front office staff or your billing team, like they have to have that same desire to get your money as as you would, because that's what's going to make them fight for it. And that's what makes us fight for our practices.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dr. Heather, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. First of all, contacting me. Thank you so much. If there's anybody out there who wants to come talk to me, how easy was it to get a hold of me? Not
1: super bad, so, right? So okay. easy. No, no. And and it was I I went down a rabbit hole and you were actually I think the the top on my list to contact that I had created this list of like 20 people. You were the top. You you have such an awesome presence out there. So, uh for those who are listening, check her out if you haven't already. Go go check you know, spend some time with her. She's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, just drop me an email. It's not hard. Hello at com, And we'll get you scheduled too because I love talking to listeners turned guests or fellow DOMD women, entrepreneurs. If you just got this crazy ass idea that you want to come talk to me about, let's do it a 100%. Well, Dr. Heather, oh, I'm going to fuck your name up because I always do this. Signor <laughs> Ellie. Signorelli. I got it. Signorelli. Signorelli. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you're doing. It it really is just huge because it's not just affecting people's bank accounts. It's affecting their
1: life and their well-being. So the badass in me honors the badass in you, friend. Thank you. I enjoyed talking with you. Have a great time with that hot tub and uh, we will talk to you soon.
0: friend. So my word of the year for 2023 is going to be slacking for two reasons. One, I am really going to pull back the throttle in 2023 and see what life is like when I just do enough, not extra, not overboard, not overworking, burning myself out, burning candle at both ends, slacking. Something I don't think I've really ever done my entire life, I'm excited about it, but I'm also worried, of course, <laughs> the classic OCD overworker, how this is going to be. The other reason that Slack is going to be my word in 2023 is that's where I'm going to hang out. You're not going to see me in a lot of new places. I'm just going to be waiting for you in my DMs on Slack. Yeah, I'll probably occasionally post on Instagram and still send out a few emails But you're going to see a change in Burnt Out to Badass" and Dr. Me First. You're going to just see me waiting willingly and quietly in the corner for those who are ready for help. No more blasting lots of advertisements and marketing and pushing people. When you're ready, you'll come. And we're going to see how it goes. So there you go. That's my word for the year. How about you? Have you picked a word? I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email better yet send me a dm in slack or maybe you want to join me and let's make Theorist the year of slacking all right friend remember if work is your drug rest is your recovery come over and hang out with slack and me and start slacking off a little bit in life